Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in Beth's closet in North Carolina. In North Carolina! <laughs> We're together for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, you can still introduce yourself. This is Beth in my closet with Christy. <laughs> Living my best life. <laughs> Our kids are running around playing everywhere. We're so excited to have everybody together. Um, and honestly, it, it's um, I know that we do this face-to-face -face on camera, but it's very weird to do it face-to-face, -face, like live. I'm, like, <laughs> looking, I'm just staring at you, <laughs> even though I'm staring at you every week. We're love-struck, guys. Yeah, love we're struck. so excited to be together. So we're having some vino together. Yes. Rumpus, the yes. wild rumpus. Like where the wild things are. Which is when we met, if you know us. Yeah. We met during a where the wild things are party. Well, that's not where we met, but. It was my son's fifth birthday and it was wild, where the wild things are. Themed. Yes. And party. so now we're drinking wild rumpus and yeah. it's so fun. Yes, it is fun. It is fun. So welcome. <laughs> Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We had a great Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in North Carolina. I'm having a fantastic Thanksgiving. Yes. Our kids were so sweet. Yeah. They were so excited to see each other. I think that my kids stood on the porch for like a good 20 minutes knowing that y'all were on your way and they were like, we're just going to go wait outside. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so my oldest drove us from my parents' house over to Beth's house. And as we were pulling into the subdivision, I was like, okay, you know, just park in front of their house. It's fine. Don't take their mailbox out. Don't take any cars out that are like sitting in the <laughs> Don't street. Don't hit a kid. And then all of a sudden I saw her kids like basically almost in the street. And I'm like, and please do not hit her children. <laughs> <laughs> that would really ruin our visit. Yes. <laughs> ruin Thanksgiving altogether. <laughs> anyways, um, one thing I want to mention about this episode that you're about to listen to is that I think it's it's not till late in the episode, but we or I make a comment about Brian Laundry that will not make sense based on what we know about him currently. Yes. He's dead. He's dead. But at the time of recording this story, it made sense to me. He was a missing person. <laughs> right. Yes. So just basically updating that point right now because it's going to sound weird. It made me laugh and giggle when I was listening to it again recently <laughs> to like edit this. But anyway, so just that's one thing to mention. Also, don't we have a merch code right now? Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Or no. Mm -mm. Oh. You could have caught it. You could have caught uh, it if you, you, missed if you it. met us on social media. You could have caught it, but it was over Thanksgiving. However, we do have new merch. Uh, okay, we have some we new a new closet sister line. So go do that because – it's really cute. There's a cropped sweatshirt that I was like, well, I'm ordering that. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. It's really cute. Yeah. I love a cropped sweatshirt. Closet sisters, man. Yes. It's crimes and closets. Closet sisters. We're in the closet. Cheers to being in the closet. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Do you have something for me? I do. I got a good one for you. Good. I'm thankful. <laughs> Stay tuned. Here comes a crime. Okay, so we've got another suggestion. I feel like we're never going to run out Shocking, of I know. What is, <laughs> like, we should put a shirt that says that because that's what we right. say on every the beginning of every single case. Yeah, yeah. And this is a suggestion. Another one. 
So this is from our listener, Vi Marie. Vi Marie. <laughs> okay. Such a hard time saying that. That's pretty. Sorry, Vi Marie. Um, it's a little bit further from home than typical cases, I guess. Um, but you're going to have to hold on to your pants because it's a doozy. Oh, great. Happy yes. Monday. Happy Monday. Uh, this is the murder of Adam and Hang. Okay. Adam was born on March 8th, 1973 in Winnipeg, Canada to Abe and Barbara Anhang. He had one sister, Becky. I don't know if she's older or younger. It doesn't matter. He, ra- he was raised in a Jewish household, and I'm mentioning this only as it pertains to the story later on. We'll have to okay. make mentioning stuff. So Adam was a curious child and always good with computers. And now at first, when I first like wrote that, I was like, wait a minute, he was born in 1973. So as a kid, he's good with computers? Like what? So I actually like went back and started looking into the computer thing. It's like not about him, but computers. Yeah. So like initial, the first PC was in 1974. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, th- that makes sense to me. But when I first was thinking about it, I'm like, oh, okay. But did you know that the actual first computer was in 1822? No. Isn't that strange? Anyways, Charles Hard to Babbage. imagine computers at all without like the interweb. Right. Like, yes, they were very different. Like mm-hmm. when, you know, they first started, but like apparently this guy, Charles Babbage started a steam driven calculating machine. Okay. In 1822. And that's like the basis of like all future. Steam driven. Wow. And it was like, I don't remember how many, like it was a huge and 700 pounds, I think like that. It was like ridiculous, but. Wow. The more you know. Yeah. The more you know. Anyway, that was a random fact that I, because I was like, why was he good at computers? That is like so long ago. Anyway, whatever. Always good with computers. His father said in an interview that he went to his first day of kindergarten holding a briefcase. Oh, how cute. Right? How cute. Boss he baby. To be like his dad, essentially. Like, so stinking cute. He was, needless to say, people thought, okay, this kid's going places when he was young. First day of kindergarten. Do, 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 do. Got my doll in my briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> He was described as being very sweet and always wanting to help people. He went to college or started college at Yeshiva University in New York. Okay. It is a Jewish school, predominantly Jewish people. Um, But he finished his undergrad, so he switched schools at Wharton School of Business in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I think it's the University of Pennsylvania, and it's the business school within. Okay. I've not heard of it, but okay. I hadn't either, but it's an Ivy League school and it's considered one of the most prestigious business schools in the world. Yeah. I mean, I knew University of Pennsylvania was a great school. Right. Former graduates of this school are Donald Trump, Elon Musk, and Warren Buffett. Wow. Also, fun fact, Blaze Bernstein went there. Oh, well, there. Oh, I almost wore my Blaze It Forward shirt today. (laughs) Oh. Um, some of the graduates also went on to be CEOs of Fortune 500 companies like GE, Boeing, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, just to name wow. a few. So the elite go there. And I'm only making this point to say – The elite and Donald Trump. Did we just did Aww. we just go there? <laughs> oh, <kidding>. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, you have, to, you have to be smart to get in there and what you're able to attain – 
post-graduation, amazing things. Clearly not every single person that graduates, but there's been quite a few. So, And Adam is one of those people. He started by working for a few real estate firms in New York, but in his mid-20s, mid-20s, I'm pretty sure that I was still out partying my butt off in my mid-20s. Well, no, things were happening in my life, but still, mid-20s is young. He goes out and starts his own consulting business. Wow. Yeah. So he's helping other companies recover financially after they take big hits. He'd often go in and be like a temporary CEO of the company to build it back up. Yeah, right? Mid-20s. What? And he's doing this on his own. Like, I could see, like, if you were part of a firm, but he started it. Mm-hmm. Pretty Crazy. cool. So in the most recent years, in the early 2000s, when this, is, when this story takes place, he was working on, a, on big and complicated real estate projects to help revitalize some parts of Puerto Rico, which is okay. where this case takes place. Okay. Yeah. Um. I, it it's stated and it doesn't say which one, but that he like helped open one of the largest um, or the first big hotel in Puerto Rico. It doesn't say which one, but that was like one of the things that it was stated. He's very successful, and so, and he's only thirty one. I mean, come on, like all, you're doing all this already. Yeah. With all the work that he's doing in Puerto Rico, he decides, all right, I'm going to move there. So in 2004, he moves to Old San Juan which I don't know if you know anything about. I don't know a whole lot about Puerto Rico. But Old San Juan is like this quaint little town, just pretty colorful houses, cobblestone roads, basilica. Like, I mean, there's like exactly how I picture a town in Puerto Rico is just like that, what you just said. Right. Okay. So not long after moving there, he's attending a party and he meets Aria Vasquez Rijos. She's a beautiful 23-year-old former Miss Puerto Rico petite pageant winner. Oh, petite? I, yeah. I tried to find what this is. I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's an actual pageant. Some sources say it's like a television show. So I'm not entirely sure, but she's she's a winner of whatever this is. Okay. <laughs> she's, she's a winner. Got it. She's a winner. She had a modest upbringing, and at the time you could tell, or people around her could tell, that she really just wanted to do whatever she could to fit in with this elite group that she met at this party, Adam and his circle of friends. Adam apparently usually had women around him, successful young businessman in Puerto Rico. I don't necessarily think he's, like, amazingly gorgeous or anything, but he's a decent-looking man, but... He yeah, always has probably had the reputation of a bachelor, right. the, the Canadian yeah. bachelor or whatever, you know. Exactly. So Aria was not really on his radar at first, but she's very persistent and eventually wins him over and they become a couple. And by the end of 2004, so they're meeting early 2004, they move in together. So very quickly they move in. She has dreams of owning a business. So what does Adam do? Because he's successful. He buys her one. He buys her a – so it's very – it's kind of unclear exactly what it was. I mean, I guess I probably should have just gone to their website or something. But they call it – some places call it a restaurant slash bar. Some sources called it a nightclub. I'm sure maybe it was a restaurant. Okay. Maybe at night turned into a little bit more than just a restaurant, whatever. It's called the pink skirt. Okay. You know? Cute. Yes. And it must be nice to just find a man that can just make all of your dreams come true legitimately. Yeah. Hey, I'd like a <laughs> restaurant, go. bar, nightclub. Cool. Right. Here you yeah, go. Here you go. As one does. Just here it is. that right to you. Right. I will say my husband has made all my dreams come true. 
but <laughs> this quickly, no, not that quickly. <laughs> okay. So sometime in early 2005, Aria tells Adam that she's pregnant and her family immediately sweeps in and pushes marriage because they're devout Catholics and they're like, you need to uphold her integrity. You need to marry her ASAP. Okay. And she's pretty young too, right? You said she was 23. Okay. Yeah. So in March of 2005, they get married and it happened so quickly that he didn't tell his family that it was happening. He didn't invite any of his friends. Like it was just like, here we go. Shotgun wedding. Let's go right now. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it actually, it was a month after. So not only did he not tell them that it happened because it happened so quickly, but he didn't really tell them that it happened until a month later. So they didn't really Mm. even know. So there was something else another reason why he wasn't saying anything. Um, and I will point out that the day before they were married, Adam had Aria. I'm saying, I'm hoping I'm saying her name right. It's A-U-R-E-A for those okay. of you. It seems like Aria's right. Um, she had her, had her sign a prenuptial agreement okay. because he was worth a bit more than $24 million Whoa. this time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And her net worth was $62,300. Right. So he and was like pink skirt with the pink skirt. Yeah. Got it. So it's prenup signed. It's quite clear that they don't have the perfect marriage from the start to his friends. It seems like she's super nice to them, but then mean to him. So mm. she wants to like have their connections and be with this group, but she's and used him maybe to get in, but I don't know, but she's not very nice to him according to them. Pretty quickly after they're married, Aria moves her mother, sister, and two brothers into their home with them. Okay. Wow. That's the whole family. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. And according to outsiders, his friends and whatnot, they're not being subtle at all about the fact that they're like taking advantage of the fact that Adam has all of this for them Mm -hmm. to take advantage of. I see. Yeah. And also not long after their wedding and the family moves in, it becomes quite clear that Aria is actually not pregnant. And that she had made it up to get him to marry her. Oh. I don't know if the family – I kind of had an inkling that maybe the family was involved in this lie and that it wasn't that they believed she was pregnant too and pushed it. That I really kind of feel like maybe they were involved in like setting this up. But I don't know. We'll see. Um. He's actually told his friends how embarrassed he was that he's such a smart, successful businessman, and he fell for the oldest trick in the book, yeah. were his words. Yeah. Yeah. He got so, conned. He did get conned. So things become pretty overwhelming for him with her family living there. Their marriage is rocky. And so after a few months, Adam moves out of their house and into an apartment and starts to plan for a divorce. They are attending couples therapy as kind of a last-ditched effort. I mean, I give him credit. He knows he's been conned, yet he's still like, okay, well, but maybe we can make it work or whatever. Wow. No, she trapped you, dude. Like, that, it'd be really hard to trust again. I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure it's possible. And if people have done it, that's amazing. But me personally. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. That's gross. I feel like maybe it would be more possible if you had a more substantial relationship before all of that happened, where this happened. Like, so... But the couple's therapy doesn't make anything better, so it doesn't matter. And things 
must have gotten pretty rough because at some point Adam starts to be concerned for his safety and states things like that she has such knowledge of the underworld, quote unquote underworld, and that there were a lot of shady characters that would come into her business, which makes me think that it is more of like a nightclub bar scene. Hmm. Okay. Later okay. On. That's ominous sounding. Got it. Yeah. So he ends up hiring one of his friends to be a bodyguard for him and literally goes everywhere with him, drives him to all these places, never leaves his side. So he's truly scared. Oh, my gosh. And all of this had escalated so quickly, like I said, because it was just over a year before that that they met, moved in together, get married, think they're pregnant. Well, Adam did. And then everything goes downhill. So it's just a whirlwind to me. Like, I don't even know. I don't know how I would handle all of that so quickly. Right. <laughs> so, And it's at this point in September of 2005 that Adam is like, okay, this divorce needs to happen for sure. We need to just be done with this. So, and after this quick break, I will let you know how that goes. Oh, for wow. All right. So here we are in September of 2005. Adam has made his wishes to proceed with the divorce known. Aria calls him at work a few times, more like 10. That's not a few. That's a lot. Yeah. On September, yeah, 21st, asking him, let's go to dinner. Please come talk to me. I'll come to dinner with me tomorrow because I want to finalize. We should finalize the terms of our divorce at this point. So he agrees. But he tells his bodyguard that he's not needed that night because he knows that Aria doesn't really like him. And so he just thinks that things will go a little bit smoother if this guy isn't like lingering around them during dinner. Okay. So he's not with him. Adam and Aria go to dinner at a place called Dragonfly around 10 p.m. Dinner. What's dinner at 10 p.m.? Yeah. <laughs> That's how the kids do. I know. Gosh, for real. We eat dinner at like 530. <laughs> right. Sometimes 445. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's street cameras and security cameras at different points that pick them up in the restaurant, whatever, throughout the night. But at 1130, they head out from the restaurant around 1130. They're close to the pink skirt. And Aria's like, okay, let's go make a quick stop at the pink skirt on our way out. And after that, Adam walks her to her car or is walking her to her car. And all of a sudden, someone comes out of nowhere and attacks them, stabs Adam multiple times, and hits him over the head a couple of times with a loose cobblestone from the street. Oh. Because it was a cobblestone street. They also hit Arya in the head, and she has a, a laceration on her leg as well. There were a couple of witnesses near the area that heard Adam yell, run, baby, run. And they also see a man fleeing the scene, heading in the direction of La Perla, which is a neighborhood that borders where they are. Okay. Old San Juan. So she's not stabbed, but he is. Yes. Okay. But she is hit over the head and her leg gets injured somehow. An ambulance and police arrive on the scene and take Aria away to be treated. But by the time they had gotten there, Adam was unfortunately already Oh, no. Deceased. Yes. Aria and the other witnesses give descriptions of the, t- the attacker. One article says she said he was a darker-skinned man, but that I didn't see that after anywhere after. But I'm pretty sure they're – either way, the descriptions differed, her okay. description versus the witnesses. Two other people that saw the crime happen stated that it was a tall, heavy-set man and that he had run, again, both of them said, towards that direction of the La Perla neighborhood. Initially, the police think this is just a robbery gone bad. At this, t- at this time in Puerto Rico, apparently they were seeing it like 
a thousand murders a year. Oh so gosh. But they, were they robbed? Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> okay. So they're convinced this is just a random act, but there are a few skeptics out there because it was not the norm in old San Juan for this to happen. Like, yes, maybe the neighboring areas like that La Perla neighborhood or whatever had these, you know, random acts of violence and whatever and robberies, but not really old San Juan and usually not a successful businessman to be the victim. Okay. So there was some skeptics. And one of the skeptics was Abe Anhung, Adam's father. He made many trips down from Canada to Puerto Rico to check into things himself. I mean, clearly right after he wanted to be there because his son had been murdered, but he just kept going back down. And one of the reasons people, including Abe, were skeptical is because Adam's wallet was still on him Hmm. and his very expensive watch, so nothing was stolen. Okay. So why is this a robbery gone bad if nothing was taken? Exactly. Yeah. Also take note, he is brought back to Canada for his funeral, and Aria does not attend the funeral. Why? Because she's injured or because? No, I don't think hmm. so. I, she just doesn't attend. It's just stated she doesn't attend, and it's just pretty weird that she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And Abe is kind of suspicious of her before because, you know, that he knew the things that had been going on and how she trapped him and whatever. And so, but now he's becoming even more suspicious. Like you don't even come up, like regardless of your Rocky marriage, you were married. Like you still go to the funeral, wouldn't you? Like if you right. just had a Rocky 100%. marriage. And, yeah. Right. So two weeks after the attack, they want to speak with Aria again. So they go to the pink skirt, but she's not there, but they run into Jonathan Roman Riviera, Riviera, who is a 22-year-old man who works at the restaurant. And he matches the description of the two witnesses, and he lives in that La Perla neighborhood. Hmm. And works in the restaurant, so they're thinking, oh, they knew Adam, maybe this wasn't random, blah, blah, blah. Connections, connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they decide to bring him in for questioning. He insists, I have nothing to do with it, I don't even know what you're talking about, like, no, was not there. I was at home sleeping that night. And of course, he has nobody to corroborate that. So First it's like, alibi in the book. right, I'm your home sleeping. So they bring in the witnesses. And one of the witnesses, who happens to be a, a lawyer also, positively IDs him as the attacker. So immediately they arrest him and he's let out on bail while awaiting trial. I believe it took two years. It did, two years. And he actually gives an interview with Dateline while he's out on bail. And he maintains his innocence and talks about how he has nothing to do with this the entire time. But the testimony of that eyewitness two years later in his trial in 2007, because of that, he's convicted of murder and sentenced to 105 years in prison. Wow. Yeah. Go hard in Puerto Rico. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So at this point, you're probably thinking, wow, okay, case solved, done. No, we're not even. We're not I don't even like eyewitness accounts being the sole reason why somebody is convicted. I really don't. Right. Okay. Well, and we're we're going to come to this too because there was two eyewitness accounts mm-hmm. during this trial, and one was kind of ignored. Whereas this oh. lawyer, because they're a lawyer, so they should be trusted, I guess, gave this. So it was like, oh, must be fact. Anyway, okay. We're not close to being over. So here we go. Everyone thinks. There was more people involved in this, whether this Jonathan guy did it. That's, I mean, because he's convicted, but they're thinking somewhere, somebody else was involved in this. 
And they think, well, now that he's convicted, he's going to start talking because he's not going to he's not going to want to rot in jail by himself. But he never does. He never says anything. He has nothing to say about it because he just keeps saying, I didn't do it. So, so he's Abe, saying he has no knowledge of anyone who did do it as well. Right. He doesn't know anything huh. about it. Didn't do it and doesn't know anything about it. So I can't give you any information. Well, Abe, Adam's dad, is starting to believe that Jonathan has nothing to do with it. Right. So he's questioning his guilt, one, because he's roll, he's, he isn't rolling over on anyone involved, and that the second witness at that trial that I mentioned just a minute ago said that it was not Jonathan that attacked him. This person actually states they recognize the person that attacked him as a person named Alex Pabon, okay. a.k.a. El Loco in the streets. Oh, he has a street name. Oh, he has a street name. So he's like a known drug dealer and just just not a good person. Okay. And so that second witness named him in the trial. But it was wow. just like, meh, we'll just forget about that because this other guy said this one is it. So anyway. All okay. Right. Now I'm going to kind of go back to the prenup for a second. In that it states that in a divorce, Aria would get $3,500 a month basically for life. Okay. Not too shabby, I guess. But if Adam dies, hmm. she gets $8 million. It's a little different. And wouldn't you know, after she gets out of the hospital, she makes a claim to that $8 million against his estate. And they give it to her? No. <laughs> oh, you should have gone to the funeral, girl. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, And also at this point, let me make side note that her family and her also apparently appear to be like collecting his belongings. You know, like they take the BMW, stuff from the house, you know, things of worth. Like it's like oh. stuff like that. So Abe being the ex-executor, ex, ex ex-executor ex is what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> Abe the dad, of, right? Okay. Abe the dad. He's the ex-, ex See, I can't say it. <laughs> Whatever. He's the person who was He's in charge in of the charge. Work. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't release the money because he's like, we're going to wait for this investigation to be completely over because I'm not convinced that this is done before we release any funds. So he, Abe then goes to the FBI and asks if they would consider taking a look into this case. I mean, clearly Adam's a Canadian um, yeah, citizen, so they don't have to. Puerto Rico citizens are considered U.S. citizens, but he wasn't a Puerto Rican. Anyway, so he goes to them and sits down and is like, listen, here's here's what I got. Can you please take a look into it? Because mm-hmm. the FBI, uh, FBI initially just left it up to the local police because they just thought it was a run-of-the-mill robbery, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So after he goes to them, they're like, all right, well, we'll just take a look at it and check into what you're saying. And they realize – People are saying the same things and agreeing, like witnesses and whatnot. So they're like, okay, fine, we'll take this on. So that's when they go and talk to that witness that testified in the trial saying, no, it was Alex Pavon. Like, Mm -hmm. I know him. So they start looking into Alex. Again, I said he's a known drug dealer who frequently seen in the pink skirt also, by the way, and would sell to people there. Hmm. And where does he live? La Perla, that same neighborhood. So it takes them two years, two more years, but eventually track him down in April of 2008. So they can't find him. Oh, my God. They hear about him. They investigate him. They're pretty sure he's the guy, but they can't find him. So they finally track him down in 2008 because he was in hiding at this time. Because here's some interesting news about La Perla. La Perla is not the greatest neighborhood. 
they have a lot of kind of criminals living in that area and just they kind of protect the borders of old San Juan and they don't want police coming in and messing around. So when Alex started getting investigated, they were like, police are coming into the neighborhood. You either need to get out or we're going to make you go disappear ourselves. So he was like in hiding from all the people in La Perla, essentially. His people and turned against him. Yeah. Like we don't, you're, you're bringing attention to us. You need to get out so that they'll get out. Savage. So, yeah. So they find him <clears throat> and they force, well, so they force Alex to leave. Anyway, they track him down, denies, he denies being part of any of it, but then quickly flips his story and admits it. He starts telling him that Aria, Aria's sister, Marcia, and her boyfriend, Jose, met with him and offered him $3 million to kill Adam. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's like all of a sudden the tables have turned. Knew it. Mm-hmm. They came up with the plan and they told him to hurt Aria just enough to make it look like, you know, she was part of this robbery and she had nothing to do with it. Only, what does he forget to do? Rob them. <laughs> Forgets to steal them. <laughs> oh, El Loco. <laughs> El Loco. <laughs> so, okay. In June of 2008, Alex is indicted for the murder and Jonathan is exonerated. Wow. Yes. So he literally maintained his innocence and he had nothing to do with it. Can you imagine that he's sentenced to 105 years in prison? And he's no, just, I can't. Son of a, I didn't do anything. Yeah. I'm going to give nothing you all, all of you a big cup of I told you so. Right. He does sue. I don't. I did not follow up with that, but I think he did sue like, you know, whatever, the courts and stuff like that for like $12 million. So I don't yeah. know if he got it. So it's at this point that they now have to start looking into Aria because now we finally have somebody saying yes. Abe kind of had a suspicion, but nobody knew, like there was no way of connecting it except that she was just shady. So now they've got this guy saying she, she hired me. So they start looking for her, but she's long gone at this point. This is you know, three years later. Abe Anhung uses his own money to hire a private investigator to find out where she's gone. He's paying him $1,000 a day to find out anything he can about I love Aria. this dad. Oh, my God. So I, I, I think it's written probably in my notes later, but I feel like I have to mention it now. He actually delayed his retirement so that he can continue funding this. Wow. You won't believe how long this goes on for. So he ends up finding out that she's using like four different identities, has access to all these IDs. She has multiple hairstyles, colors, her hair regularly. It's just constantly changing her appearance. And so this guy finds out that nine months after the murder, so back in 2006, June of 2006, she left and went to Florence. She moved to Florence on a student visa. So she left pretty quick after all this happened. Okay. I mean, even before the first trial of Jonathan. Hmm. So she was just like, I'm out. They're looking into someone, you know, blah, blah, done. So she goes there to study filmmaking, which I guess apparently she did take some classes, but I don't really know if that's what or if it was just a ploy to go to Florence. Mm -hmm. And she's also doing some tour guides. Like she's working for tour guide um, agencies and stuff. So she does – She's she is a tour guide. Um, she's been there under the name Beatrice, Beatrice Dominici. Okay. And she's been living there and was involved with a man. And in August, an air conditioning specialist okay. of 2008. And she gave – 
birth. Oh, in August of 2008, she gave birth to a set of twins. So this oh. Italian man's impregnated her. <laughs> it's the weirdest word, I think. I know. I know it's what we say. I know it's what, you know, that's what happened, but it just sounds so like, like, I don't know, clinical or something. Yes. It, well, and I'm kind of going clinical here because I don't really feel like this was like a love thing. I mean, maybe it was for him in the oh, beginning, but gotcha. I don't think it was. It's just her. funny to be like, my husband impregnated me three times. It was beautiful. Right. Well, you wouldn't say that, I don't think. <laughs> no. You know, like, like you would. So. Okay. But so I'm sorry. saying it for a reason here. Okay. 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 So the fact that she gives birth to these twins complicates matters for the FBI because, well, there's a lot of things that complicate things for the FBI because the FBI does not have jurisdiction overseas. So they can make a request for the Italian authorities to arrest her and extradite her, but they refuse for two reasons. Italy doesn't extradite people for a crime that has a possible death penalty attached to it. It's one of their rules. Okay. They won't. Okay. So, I mean, come on. Why isn't everybody hiding in Italy? I think I think that's where Brian Laundry is. Oh, <laughs> Probably because he knows this random fact. Um, they also do not extradite mothers of Italian children. So hmm. that's why I'm saying impregnate because me, along with the FBI, are pretty convinced that she got pregnant on she purpose. She knew about that. Because she knew that. And it, you know. Huh. Yeah. Crazy lady. She did it to protect herself. So I don't really think she cares much about these kids. Wow. So they also find out that not long after she makes the news in Italy over all of this, that the father of those kids are like, all right, now that I know who you are, done. Like, we need to, like, separate, go our separate ways. Well, I hope he took the children. Well, so no, not at first. She ends up moving out with the kids and moves into this Jewish community in Florence, claiming to be Jewish because she had told Adam when they got married that she would convert but she never did. Oh, okay. But now she's claiming to be a Jewish widow of two kids because for some reason she knows all these random things. The Jewish community f- have an obligation to help widows. They will not turn their backs on them. So she's hmm. like, these people aren't going to turn their backs on me. They'll help me. So she actually is providing them with false birth certificates so she can convince the community that they're all Jewish and her ultimate plan down the line is to emigrate to Israel, which this also will not. This woman is a scam artist. Uh-huh. And they will, Israel will not extradite their citizens to the U.S. So if she can convince this Jewish community she's Jewish and eventually get to Israel, then she's there and she's like, home free. She's just evading the FBI for years. So we know that she's a tour guide, right? She was doing tours in Florence. And that she also loves – she loves to travel and because this – private investigator that Abe has hired for years keeps following her and she's traveling around Europe and evading the arrest because this FBI or the private investigator keeps finding out where she's going, tells Abe, Abe tells the FBI, the FBI gets their papers in order because they're like, we have to arrest her outside of Italy. Mm -hmm. So every time they get information, they're like, okay, let's get the papers in order. And then they get there and she's already gone before they can arrest her. Hmm. So amazing. I mean, I don't know how, but anyway, it, I mean, I'm sure it takes time to get all that stuff together. It's not like you can just like whip it up in an hour and be like, all right, we've got her. So this is where the FBI steps their game up. In my opinion, they decide to create a fake travel agency 
And through some of the same contacts that Aria had used before with work, they contact her and attempt to hire her to take a fake group of Jewish people that are traveling to Europe from America. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they want her to lead the tour. So the FBI is not contacting her directly. They're going through these, like, intermediaries that she's dealt with before in her professional life. And I don't even think that the intermediaries knew that they were, you know – contacting on behalf of the FBI. I think they even believed it was a real. They're playing her own game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they want her to lead the tour. They even provide a manifest of people complete with full itineraries. It's a multi-stop tour, different countries. These are the restaurants you're going to bring them to on these days, blah, 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 et cetera. Like super, super, super detailed. So she trusts the people that she's talking to, but they negotiate for two months. They negotiate like the terms and whatever. And she finally agrees to take the job. The tour will begin in Spain where they have worked out with that local law enforcement to arrest her and extradite her eventually. Gosh, what is going to happen? Right. So on June 30th, 2013, yes, I said 2013. It's been freaking 2005 is when the murders happened. Oh, my gosh. Found out in 2008 that she's involved. And now we're finally on 2013. She's, she's been in the wind a long time. She boards a plane to Madrid. And when she gets off the plane, right there in the jetway, they're there to take her into custody. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yes. The exact same day, the FBI execute warrants, arrest warrants for her sister and Marsha, the boyfriend, back in Puerto Rico. Because they kind of don't want to do it too soon because then they'd contact her and be like, they got us, blah, blah, blah. So exact same idea. So even though they've worked it out that she would be arrested in Spain and extradited, it's still still a process. They still can't, it's not just like, here you go, dang, it still has to go through their court system and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So while she's in jail awaiting these proceedings to be extradited, what do you think she does? Oh my what? I don't does she escape? No. Oh. She gets pregnant by another inmate. Oh my gosh, I did not see that coming. Oh my. Uh-huh. No. So now Spain won't. Oh, shut up. Yeah. On the Dateline episode that I watched, they asked the FBI agents, they're like, how did this happen? Like, how did she get pregnant in jail? And they were like, we really can't say because we've never been to this specific jail, but clearly it's a co-ed jail and, you know, whatever. I don't know. She, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm <laughs> just like, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed by this. So, and Spain won't, okay, here's the thing. Spain won't extradite pregnant women. Okay. So we have to at least wait until she's had just bought her some time. Bought her some time. I don't know if she knew that or she thought it was the same or was hoping that it was the same. I don't know what she knew about it at this point. But anyway, so they won't, but she's still pretty good. Okay. Mom of the year. Another mom of the year. Along yeah, with Ellen right. Baum, except Ellen oh. killed her kids. But this lady clearly has does not give a hoot about her children. She's right. just having them to help her own herself get away with murder. Sad. So Spain won't send her on her way until she, after she gives birth. And so once that happens, within a few weeks, the Spanish courts, courts make a ruling and say, peace out, Aria, get out, leave, go back to Puerto Rico. And they it, that, this is the summer of 2015 by the time this happens. Oh, my gosh. But one of the conditions of her extradition is that she does not get the death penalty. So, but I think the FBI was kind of like, at this point, we just want to get her. Like, we don't, fine, if we can't put her to death, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, so the FBI also know from past experiences that if you don't act fast on a Spanish ruling, that sometimes it can just like disappear and it won't happen. So they're like, we've got to get her out really quick. Let's make this happen. But they don't want to put her on a commercial flight because they're like basically like she's going to cause a scene. Or get on pregnant, this you know. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> pregnant on the plane. And cause the pilot to be like, nope, we don't want her on here. Get out and just delay the system. And then maybe the courts will say, no, don't take her. So the FBI agents ask if they can use the FBI director's plane to just fly over there, get her and bring her wow. back. So, and this is approved. So they head to Spain, pick her, her and her newborn baby up. Oh, I don't, I don't even know how, why, why that happens. But I guess the dad is in jail too. So what are they, I mean. Anyway, so they arrive back in Puerto Rico and they let her know that, okay, before we get off the plane, we want to give you a few minutes to spend with your daughter. They're being nice to this lady. Okay. Because this might be the last time you're going to see her. Well, instead of taking time to spend with her daughter, she requests to use that time to make herself up. I tell you, she wants to make herself up. Oh, my gosh. Look pretty. Serious. Douche canoe. Uh That's the only word I have for her because she wants to look good because she knows there's a ton of media out there waiting for her to get off this plane because they have been looking for her for like 10 freaking years, right? She needs to have another baby. She needs to have another baby. So So she better look good. Free advertisement, guys. Gross. She's gross. She is. She's disgusting. Okay. So clearly no trial goes – no trial goes immediately. It doesn't immediately go to trial. So she finally gets a trial in August of 2018. We're 13 years out of this murder. This poor family. I know. dad. I hope he was allowed to see this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because just wait. Okay, good. (laughs) She goes to court in a courthouse down the street from where Adam's murdered. And on October 3rd, 2018, after two days of deliberation, why it took two two days, I don't know, the jury finds her guilty. And then in March of 19, they sentence her to life in prison to be served in uh, prison in Fort Worth, Texas. Huh. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yes. After the trial, I don't know if it was the trial or the sentencing, but either one, she turned or walked past Abe, who was there, and said, are you happy now? Are you, Really? And let me tell you, I'm like, Abe's, Abe's response had me like literally cheering. People in my house were probably like, what are you cheering about? Because <laughs> I love this man. I mean, how he refused to let his son's killer get away and like spent every dime he had, delayed his retirement to do this. Like, it, mm-hmm. I mean, he's amazing. He's a hero. But anyway, she's like, are you happy now? And he just looked at her and goes, shut up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know it's probably petty, but I don't care. (laughs) Shut up. Boom. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, she was actually dubbed the Black Widow of Puerto Rico throughout this case because it took so long or whatever. Anyway, so she's finally caught, put to justice, or justice has been served after 14 years. And it's just, I, it's another amazing case. Like, how, all of these twists and turns, like, I I mean, and her, I, I don't know. I'm, like, speechless myself about this one. But she's she was a piece, man. Like, I, I don't need I mean, Let's go to Fort Worth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you send me a postcard. Um, 
you got to hand it to her a little bit though. You know what I mean? Like she, I don't know. You got to, you at least have to say that she was pretty cunning. Well, yeah. And she clearly she did her research and yeah. Yeah. What a piece of crap. And also I feel like at some point she probably really regretted that she ever even tried like murdered her husband oh yeah because it can you imagine having to be like on the lamb for 15 years and i mean and having to give birth to babies to right. keep yourself safe and like you know do all of this cunning stuff and change your hair and i mean she had to have gotten exhausted to the point where she was like well this wasn't worth it well, I would imagine though, like, so she left and like had this plan clearly to to execute, but then they didn't come for her for like five years. Well, true, but she didn't, didn't get find her, her money. Right. Yeah. She didn't get her money. She wasn't living off of that. So it was, yeah. So I'd imagine that there was a point where she like kind of relaxed and was like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe they're not coming for me. And then it was like, then she had to start all over again and like figure out where to go. Well, good. I hope it was exhausting. I hope you were exhausted. Murder doesn't pay. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. No, so I will just little side note. There's a couple memorial funds set up for him. Um, the Anhang family and the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba created Adam Anhang Memorial Fund, and it's this fund is used to support programming at the Gray Academy of Jewish Education, which was his high school. Formerly, it's a new name, but it was where he went to high school. Um. And the, also, Peter and Kathy Linneman created the Adam Hang and Hang Memorial Fellowship at the Zell Lurie Real Estate Center at the Wharton School of Business. And that oh, cool. fellowship provides support for the Wharton, a Wharton junior or senior student working with a senior faculty member. And the recipient is selected by the director of the center and announced at the like spring meeting or something like that. So oh, anyways, cool. you wanted to find any of those and, and contribute. They're they're out there, so. yes. Or just see what his legacy is doing. Yes, there's a website at Adam and Anhang, and it's like literally, it's got his bio, it's got links to all the news articles. Every, I mean, it's yeah, they've really they're, they're not letting his his memory die for sure. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. And she is just rotting away in Texas, and and her poor children. Yeah. So the twins went to the dad. The dad did get custody, mm-hmm. and the daughter is with her mom. Oh, well. Yeah. And Marcia and Jose better. were um, also convicted of, like, you know, the brother and sister. Yeah. Or the sister and the sister and boyfriend. The sister boyfriend. They were convicted of having something to do with. Wowie, zowie. Yeah. Right. That was a doozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Thanks for telling us. Thank you, Via Marie. That's Vimarie. Vimarie. Thank you very much for the suggestion. She, When she was messaging us, not about this case, but before, um, we were talking back and forth about Puerto Rico a little bit because my grandfather lived in Puerto Rico for like the mm-hmm. last 30 years of his life and was buried there and all that stuff. So very beautiful place. Sounds a little sketchy <laughs> based on yeah, this I, story, but I don't think that's reflective. I hope I was representing those places, right? But. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's reflective of Puerto Rico. And anyway, thanks for the suggestion. That's another good one. Another one that was knocked out of the I'm sweating over here like bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was going on. 
That was crazy. So anyway, good story. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Good job with the names, too. I was going to say that earlier, but didn't want to interject. I know that was probably tough. That's probably all wrong. Someone's going to be like, no. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, we hope you guys liked it. Happy Monday. And we hope you come back. Tell a friend, please. Tell other people how you like us. And weigh in on what you think on this crazy story. Come find us on social media. Send in your suggestions. Show us some love. We promise we'll send it back. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.